You are listening to a Sunday morning message from River Corner Church. River Corner Church is a growing church community of everyday people who gather to worship God, follow Jesus, and journey through life together. You are invited to gather with us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you have any questions about something you heard in this message, or if you want to learn more about our growing church community, visit us online at rivercornerchurch.com. Due to an error with our sound system, the introduction and first part of this sermon message were not recorded. We will join Kevin Bradford halfway through his sermon message as he continues our Advent series, Do Not Fear. And so being visited by Gabriel itself is a big deal in Mary's culture. Uh, In the book of Daniel, Gabriel explains the meaning of Daniel's vision of the ram and the goat in chapter 8. And also in Daniel 9, he explains the meaning of the 70 weeks, uh, which does have a cryptic reference to the Messiah being cut off. Uh, so Gabriel always carries a sort of weighty news. He's, he's not just some, like, some casual angel, I guess. He's not the lower-grade angel. You know, this is like a higher-grade angel. You know, he's not AAA. He's the major leagues, I guess. You know what I mean? So, so when Gabriel shows up, it has a sort of weightiness to it, and it's, uh, it's apocalyptic because what's been going on in human history for so long is about to shift now because the Messiah is coming. And so Mary, of course, is afraid, and she's really perplexed by what he's saying. It says that... Uh, in the text, that she was troubled by his saying, like, what's this all mean? When Gabriel's here, that means there's really big news, and I'm sure this complete, uh, caught her completely off guard. So na- Mary's natural response to this encounter is fear and confusion, because um, she was greatly troubled. Gabriel, as a messenger from God, knows that uh, this is a good, good but startling news. He announces first that God is, uh, is with Mary, and is, uh, and is uh, going to be with her in this process. A principle to take away in our own lives from this is that when God's words to us are challenging, his presence with us empowers our ability to do what he's asked us to do. So in, in the case of Mary, Gabriel is, is showing up and telling her this, but it isn't like, okay, go figure this thing out. Gabriel also says, the Lord is with you. And this is this ancient biblical idea. Whenever God calls Abraham, he calls Moses, he calls David, you name it, He says, I will be with you. You're not out here trying to figure this thing out. I'm with you doing it. And so this is the same pattern. Mary's almost the fulfillment of all this stuff in the Old Testament. It comes down to this moment when Gabriel shows up and says, okay, now this is all shifting. And and the scriptures, everything before Matthew is going to be fulfilled now in Jesus the Messiah. So this is a huge thing. And Mary is afraid, naturally. Like, how is this going to happen? How am I going to do this? You know, she's obviously saying this is not a natural thing. This is a supernatural thing. Now, how does this even uh, take place? So, in her ability to do this is, is not just her. It's the Lord with her. Gabriel also announces to Mary that she has been called to this unique and difficult task of having a son who will be the Messiah. Um, and like I said before, throughout the Old Testament, there's been this promise of a coming king who is going to, you know, change the situation, who is going to set things right, and who is going to redeem everything. There's also a reference in verse 133 of Luke uh, that says that his kingdom will have no end. That's a reference to Daniel 7.14, which talks about a divine Messiah figure coming with the clouds of heaven, and his kingdom uh, will never be destroyed. It's the same kind of idea. 
So Gabriel is hearkening back to Daniel in this announcement. This makes sense. This is all kind of connected because this is the fulfillment of all of these promises. So let's go down to Luke 134 through 38. This is, this is, a, this is a Mary's response to the angel. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, uh, who is also called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. So the natural response to anything God calls us to do is usually how. So any kind of big thing. So with Abraham, God's like, okay, leave your father and mother and go to this land I'm going to show you. And I'm sure Abraham is like, well, this sounds insane, but because this is God talking to me, and I know this God, I'm going to go do this thing. But I'm sure Abraham, you know, I'm sure his relatives thought he was crazy. Um, for God to, for the angel to show up and, and tell this to Mary, naturally the response is confusion. Like, how is this going to happen? I don't, I don't know how God can do this. Who am I to even do this thing? I'm just this little person here in the, you know, the middle of nowhere. Nazareth's, you know, kind of like the Kentucky of Israel. It's just in the middle of nowhere, you know. You know, nobody paid attention to it. Um, it isn't like Jesus came from some, from like from the, the top of the pyramid. He, he was born just by normal people. You know, Mary was a normal girl living her life, uh, trying to figure out who she was. And all of a sudden her life changes like this. So this isn't something that just, just happens ordinarily. This is an extraordinary event. And Mary uh, leans into it. Uh, she, if Mary had not felt confusion, would she have been truly human? Uh, probably not, because she's not some superhero. She's just mortal like we are. So if we were in the same situation, it's like, huh, what are you talking about? But then anything God does call us to that is big, that, that we know it's him, it, it is going to be beyond our ability to do it because it's God. And he never ever calls us to do something in our own strength. Uh, like with, with King David, it's like he picked this little shepherd boy out of the midst of all these people. David wasn't qualified to be king. God qualified him to be king. So that's how God's grace works throughout the Bible. It's like Mary is not qualified to be anybody, but God chose her in that moment. Um, even in my own life, a couple years before, we, we, I used to be involved in this missional outreach to subculture kids for about 10 years. I've already said this before. Um, but leading up to it a couple years before, I had this sense that I really want to do something like this. I didn't know how did, this would happen. I, didn't, I don't know how we would even do it. But the beginning of, of just feeling a sense of call to this began to happen. And a, and a couple years later, it did. And just in my own life, it's just the same principle here with Mary. It's like God calls us to these things, but he's always the one that makes this happen as we partner with him. So in our own lives... Maybe he's called us to something. You know, Mary was afraid, but she steps into faith and trusts him. We'll see this as the story unfolds, but God calls her into this new stage of life, and he empowers her to do it. God also says, the angel also says God is a God of the impossible, essentially. Uh, things can't have, couldn't have stayed the same. Humanity needed deliverance from the powers of death and hell and all these things. Like something had to shift, something had to change, and this was the time to do it. And so here's Mary at, at the, the, the crux of all these different things, all these hopes and dreams, all these promises that God's given Israel, all this stuff for years. And now is the time to shift all this stuff. The story has been defeat, humanity is enslaved to sin and death, all these things. 
And now is the time to see it shift and change. And it starts here. And Mary's response transforms her from fear to faith in Luke 138. In Luke 138, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, be, uh, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So this is a really extraordinary response. She's a, she's a 14, 15, whatever year old girl, young woman. And she's like, I don't understand all this and how it's going to work. But I'm saying yes, even a little weak yes. And Mary's part in this, uh, in this story starts here. There's three things we can take away from Mary's response. Because this is a pretty profound response. And this is, reflects all of our lives with God. There's a lot we can pull out of this. Uh, point number one. Mary's part in this wasn't the original plan she had for her own life. But she embraced the change and the call of God. And she's very much like Abraham. Abraham was living his life. He's probably from a wealthy family. And back then they measured wealth with sheep and goats and all that kind of stuff. He had a lot of goats, lots of sheep, lots of land. Came from a pretty wealthy family. And God's just like, I want you to leave all this and go to this other land. Because redemption starts here. In this, with, with Abraham, the whole story starts here. And in the same way with Mary, now this, the second testament starts here. And so Mary's response was to lean into it and say, yes, Lord, let it be uh, according to your word. So there's a reception to God. There's a, an openness to God. And there's a willingness to, okay, I will follow you in doing this. And so Mary's faith is much, very much an example to all of us. Uh, point number two, uh, Mary becomes receptive to God's words to her. His words shaped and formed her. And uh, in Genesis, God's words form and shape the world. We know that by his word, he, he formed everything. Uh, his words still have power to shape us and to change us. And Mary gave her heart and, and it was open to that. And I let God's words shape and form, almost like carving like a, like a, you know, when you whittle something, like a, like a stick figure, almost like God's letting it, she's letting God's words just chip away, chip away, and shape and form this. And she's being receptive to that. And thirdly, Mary resigned herself to God's will. Uh, Jean-Pierre de Cassade, this uh, old French writer, said, the essence of spirituality is contained in this phrase, complete and utter abandonment to the will of God. Which is, you know, a heavy statement. It's made to it's given to make us think. But Mary did resign herself to God's will for her, God's plan for her life, and she accepted it and let it be what it was. She didn't try to fight back. She didn't try to, to push her own will. She allowed God to shape her narrative and shape her destiny, and out of that willingness came everything after that. And God used her in a really powerful way. Whereas before death reigned, and now Christ has come to overthrow death and overthrow those powers. So after her encounter with Gabriel, Mary visits, her, uh, visits Elizabeth. And uh, so let's turn to Luke 146. Actually, actually I'm sorry. Uh, so it's, it's uh, Luke 139, verse 39. In those days, Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. 
And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So in this encounter uh, with, with Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit just sort of shows up. And, and he, he fills Elizabeth and Elizabeth prophesies out of, out of this joy. And in turn, Mary prophesies this lengthy psalm. And, and scholars and people call it the Magnificat or Magnificent. Uh, but this is a really beautiful thing that Mary says here in, in, chapter, in uh, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So this is pretty heavy, and this almost embodies the whole story of the Old Testament, of, of promise, of waiting, anticipation for what's to come, of God seeing the suffering of Israel. Uh, you know, Israel's been conquered a bunch of times. They've been devastated a bunch of times. God, God sees all this. He remembers all this in his mercy. Uh, and then he, he's bringing deliverance through, the, uh, through Mary and through her son. So in this, uh, Mary is really prophesying and expressing the glory of God and the mystery of the Messiah in this. So Mary goes from being a fearful uh, person, startled by the words of Gabriel, like, how can this happen, God? How can I do this? To being like, Lord, I, just, I don't understand this, but I say yes. And then a couple months later, Mary is filled with the Spirit and prophesies this and brings this forth in glories and who God is and his deliverance. So Mary goes from, from here to here to here. Uh, because God is with her and, and is doing something in her life that transcends her own life. God's taking a humble young woman, delivering creation through her son. And this is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise that the Messiah would bring peace to creation and liberate all who were oppressed. So this is a very powerful thing. And it, it is a, a magnificent psalm. And it's so rich and deep. Uh, and I get a lot out of it just, uh, just reading it. But just knowing who she was and where she came from and, and having this eruption of praise and seeing God just transform her life in even this little bit of time uh, from uh, being fearful to being full of faith. Uh, in, the, in the Magnificat, Mary rejoices and embraces God's call in her life. This fulfills an ancient prophecy that the early church fathers applied to Jesus. So in Genesis 3.15, after Adam and Eve fell, uh, God curses the serpent. And he tells the serpent uh, who deceived Adam and Eve uh, this. He says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So in the early church, this was seen as like a fulfillment, like Christ was seen as a fulfillment of this prophecy. That though the, the serpent struck uh, humanity and wounded uh, the Messiah, the Messiah would use this to crush the head of the serpent. There's a technical term for this that I forget, <laughs> but uh, it, it's in there. And there's this really powerful piece of art that's been going around the internet for, I don't know, the last five, six, seven years. But 
it's Mary's on one side on the left, and then on the right is, uh, sorry, Mary's on the, the right side of this picture, and Eve's on the left. So Eve is weeping. Uh, she's tearful, and she's got her hand on Mary's pregnant belly. And Mary, under her foot, is crushing the serpent, because all this has been turned around uh, by God. So uh, even though the, the, the serpent deceived us and caused us to fall, his defeat was already in God's plan. And all this was fulfilled in Christ now. And our fall as people has been redeemed now because of what Christ has done and what he's doing. Does that make sense? So this is, this is a powerful thing that's going on. Um, and much later, Paul tells, the, Paul tells the Galatians in Galatians 4 through 4 through 7, but when, but, in the, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, so we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And because you are his children, God has sent the spirit of, of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So what the Messiah has done to undo all that we did, to, to crush the head of the serpent, it all began here. And it went from fear and, and doubt and questioning to faith, to, to courage and to peace, ultimately. So the peace of God came through this young woman who didn't understand what was happening to her, but just said yes. And I think Mary had the power to say no. You know, God respects our choices. If Mary was like, I can't do this, God would have been like, that's okay. We'll, go, we'll ask somebody else. But nonetheless, this whole plan came to fruition in here, and the beginning of it all started right here. So it, as Advent unfolds, we remember what God's done and remember who Christ is. And the Messiah has done this, and we can sing Mary's song now with her, praising God. That he has taken us from slaves to fear and death and has made us now his children and given us his peace. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Lord, calling us to be your children. We thank you, Lord, for crushing the head of the serpent, God. Lord, we thank you that in every life here that you love and that you hold close in this season. Father, we pray that we would understand the riches of the humility of Christ in this season and be filled with the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.